reading a story this week, and it just kind of was kind of an interesting little story. Uh, have you ever seen the Storage Wars show or hear about it where people go in and buy storage units that have, you know. Um, so apparently about, uh, I think it was just about seven months ago, um, it wasn't on Storage Wars, but this happens all over. If somebody doesn't pay their rent on a storage unit, the owner of the storage unit, they auction it off. They don't open it, they just auction it off, and you get what you get in there. Sometimes you can look at t from the far and see some things, but you can't go in and touch anything. And so there was a, a young guy who was trying this out. Um, he had been doing it for a couple months, and he, it's a risk. You know, you got you got to bid on the storage unit, and then you might get you know pay four hundred, five hundred, six hundred dollars, and then you go in there and you hope that there's something of value that you can sell for more than what you put into it. And so this guy was trying this thing, and and it wasn't going great for him. He was pretty much getting to the point of well, if this last storage unit doesn't work out for me, he was going to be done. And so he's looking in there, and it's packed. The storage is just packed full of stuff. There's a lot of furniture, but it didn't look great. You didn't, just kind of old stuff, but it was a lot of stuff was in this unit. So he starts bidding. He had a maximum of $400, and he's bidding, and he's there's a few people bidding against him, and and he's like, oh, I'll probably outbid everyone, and gets to 300, and this lady was bidding against him, and she starts bidding, and they get it up to 400. And she bid again, and that was his maximum. And he's like, oh, no, I'm now I'm going over what I wanted to. But he went ahead and finished out the bidding. And he got it up to $500, and the lady backed off, so he got the storage unit for $500. He gets into the storage unit, and they start looking through things. And, and you know, if you've seen the show, or under, you're, you're look, you kind of begin to know what you're looking for. You know, things of value. Maybe you find a stash of baseball cards or, you know, Star Wars action figures from when I was a kid. Man, if I would have still had my action figures, we left them at one of the houses we moved out of, I, I, I could retire probably on some of these things. but So you're looking for things of value, and they find this metal metal uh, box thing, and um, they didn't know exactly what it was. It was kind of about this big. And so they, they try to get open, but it's really solid. So they get a friend over with a drill, and they start drilling out. They realize it's a safe. It's actually a little funny-looking safe. And so they, they cut this thing open, and they open up the top. This is a true story. This is not a, a made-up story. They open up the top of this safe, and it's full of cash. Full of cash. Fifties, hundreds, twenties. They find other boxes, other safes in there full of cash. They start counting it. He tweets it. You know, he tells his girlfriend, bad idea probably, tells, uh, puts it on social, social media, so the word gets, begins to get out that he f he's like, wow, I got a whole bunch of cash in this. When he got done counting, it was seven, not thousand, not seventy thousand, not seven hundred thousand, seven point five million dollars in cash was in this storage unit. You can Google this. This is, this is outrageous. So, so anyways, the police show up at his door. And they, they want you, that's just a lot of money. And so obviously they just, you know, they're, they're thinking something. And so the police started getting involved. Anyways, it's not long, not long at all, like within a day or two at the most, that the ex-owner of the storage unit shows up with his lawyers or the lawyers just show up. And he wants his money back. Now, the problem is, this is California. This happened in California. California has a very straightforward law. You lose it, it's gone. You can't do anything about it. So they start saying, well, hey, listen, that's our money. We'll give you a finder's fee. 
We'll give you a finder's fee. We'll give you $600,000. The guy's like, no thanks. And so anyways, long story short, as, as they start offering some more money, does some counter-offering, he, he probably gets a little bit better judgment. They find out the mo- money is not stolen. It's not stolen. It's all legal money. And, uh, but he started thinking, what kind of person has $7.5 million laying around? If I refuse to give them this kind of money, what might they do to me? So he went ahead and took the offer. He ended up with uh, uh, about $1.5 million after probably his lawyer fees too because he had to hire a lawyer. Anyways, interesting. Was that God? Was that, I don't know what that was. But, uh, you know, you know, crazy things do happen sometimes. And so I was just kind of thinking, what would I do? Would I keep it? Would I tithe on it? And the answer on that one is absolutely. Absolutely. If, you, if, if something like that, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to give you glory, even though this was just a crazy incident. But um, so, hey, if any of you happen to buy a storage unit this next week, and, you know, we'll look for a big offering next week. Amen. But... Uh, there's really, there's really not a tie in there. I just thought that is really something. We're all going to start thinking, I'm going to go buy a storage unit, right? You have as much chance of getting that as you do the lottery. You know what the lottery is, don't you? Well, my friend told me this a long time ago. He says, the lottery is just a tax for stupid people. I don't know. He says, just instead of buying lottery ticket, just drive by the store, throw $5 out the window, and save yourself a couple of minutes. As we're going to pray for the offering. <laughs> well, Lord, we, we thank you that you provide, Lord. And you, sometimes you do provide in crazy ways. Um, God, we thank you for, for provision. We thank you for work. God, we thank you. The Bible says that it's you who gives us the ability to earn and gain wealth. So, God, as we take, receive this offering this morning, as we give, Lord, we want to do it as an offering to you, as a blessing to you, saying thank you for giving me the opportunity to gain wealth. Lord, I give to you just a portion of what you've already given to me. Lord, um, as we want to see the kingdom of God advanced in this, in this city, God, and, and throughout the world, Lord, we, we give in faith. God, we, we want to make sure that the, not, the needs are not just met, but God, above and beyond that, that, that you're able to put us in a position that we can sow into the kingdom, to give into uh, good, good fields where, where people are serving you. Bless this offering. Bless each person who, who gives mightily, God, and we thank you for your provision in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, um, as, as Robin's one of our, our offering, take, you can pass the bag. Sh- you just pass the bag. Don't you worry about it. I'll just talk about you behind your back. Um, <laughs> um, Robin has been so faithful uh, to, to be in charge of the snacks, and she's always trying to, to make it work. If you enjoy the snacks um, and, and could get on that snack list, it would be very helpful. Um, you can... You can Bring a snack once a month, every six weeks, every eight weeks, every ten weeks, once a year, something. But put your name on the list if you can. Um, if, if you can only do it, you know, half of it, 
let let Robin know she'll p p match you up with somebody else who can do half. I would think that, uh, and I, uh, Robin, you'd have to help me out with maybe somebody else. I bet you for it's about twenty bucks. So it's a little bit of an offering, about twenty bucks of baking supplies to make something or going and buying something inexpensive. Um, but if you do that once every couple months, hopefully it wouldn't break you. It's great. I think it's fun to have the snacks out there. Um, it gives us a great opportunity to to fellowship. So if you can be on that list, please sign up. That would be great it's the the clipboard is out there and um, otherwise I've given her permission that if there's no one signed up that w here's what Robin's been doing she's just been covering it if there's no line she just f she finds the food and um, so I, I, I told her and gave her permission and would actually encourage us next time there's not somebody on the list we just won't have snack and um, then we have to decide if, if if it's really important to us if we need to put that in our budget that's that's fine uh, we can do that too but uh, Anyways, it's just a little, little something. I need my Bible. I need my Bible. Want to bring it to me? It's right on that ledge right there, Jesse. Whoo-hoo. Thank you, ma'am. Man. You know, the coffee place next door, the IYG Cafe, the cafe they're making some good drinks. If you haven't had one, it's kind of yummy. My daughter makes mine. She makes it with love. That's why it says dad. <sighs> Today's Pentecost. Today is, is the, the probably the most important day of the year. I was, was, uh, was asked if, if you could... Um, only celebrate two of the three major Christian holidays Christmas, Easter or Pentecost as a church if you had to get rid of one which one would it be? And I always, it, was, it, was, it was a question in, in, in a, like a survey and article thing and I, so I went wow that's, that's an interesting one I actually had a quick answer but started thinking about it and uh, what, would, what would the church be like without the Christmas pageant, without the Christmas festival? It'd be very, very different. What about Easter? Without Easter, the, where we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ to not have... Um, uh, sorry, I, I, I was hearing voices. Um, to not have Easter celebration. Um, but, but see, most of us, many of us in this room might go, well, I don't know about Pentecost. It's, it's, we, can get, we can get rid of that. Most churches don't even celebrate Pentecost. They just don't even talk about it. This morning, Pentecost is extremely important, and it's not just because our roots and, and that we are a Pentecostal church. Um, I, it's backwards. We are a Pentecostal church, a church that believes be, uh, in the gifts of the Spirit because of what happened on Pentecost. Okay, so this morning I want to talk a little bit about what was Pentecost, but Pentecost for us today is the birthday of the church. The church was born on Pentecost, on the day of Pentecost, 2,000 years ago. It wasn't until Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost, if you remember, was Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell, Peter preached his Holy Spirit-filled message, they spoke in tongues, all these people got saved, and right after that is when they talk about that they began to meet together, dedicate themselves to fellowship. It was the birthplace of the church of Jesus Christ.
Pentecost is extremely important. Well, what was Pentecost? Pentecost is not a Christian holiday. It's actually a Jewish holiday. It's a Jewish festival. They've been celebrating Pentecost for thousands of years. Just quickly, there's three major festivals that the Jews have celebrated for thousands of years. And, and three of these were special ones. They were... Um, called pilgrimage, pilgrim fee, pilgrimage feasts, where if you were living at all in close proximity, you had to come to Jerusalem to celebrate it. And many people would come from hundreds and hundreds of miles away. In fact, on Pentecost, we know that there were people there, probably there to celebrate Pentecost. Maybe they had been there all the way through Passover and Pentecost. They had come from, from Africa. So there was thousands of people and visitors from other places in Jerusalem for the celebration of Pentecost. So the three festivals, we have the Passover, which is in the early spring. The Passover and Pentecost both um, were agricultural festivals and feasts. Um, the first one, Passover, was the beginning of the harvests. They would celebrate and give glory to God for the beginning of the harvest. But the spiritual significance that they celebrate as Passover was when the death angel passed over the houses that had the blood of the lamb on the door in Egypt when they was going to lead the people out of Israel the Passover celebration was to celebrate that's what God did by passing over and saving the firstborn so the the celebration of Passover was extremely important in the church and for the Jews because it was um, being saved um, from death from death then the next festival which is Pentecost and Pentecost simply means 50 50 days. Pentecost happens 50 days after Passover. It's also another f uh, f festival where they celebrated the, the crops being brought in. And so this would have been like the wheat harvest coming in, and they would celebrate God's goodness and bring that in. But the spiritual significance that they celebrate in addition to the harvest was that that was the day that they celebrate God giving the law to Moses on Mount Sinai. So Pentecost is an important day because the giving of the law represented freedom from sin and death spiritually because they were finally given um, how to live and they were free from the bondage spiritually. So it's an extremely important day, but it's, it's the, the day that we share really in common with Jews because for us, Pentecost was the day that God chose to send His Holy Spirit down. I want to read from Acts chapter 2 this morning. Give us some... Uh, insight here. Acts chapter 2. Actually, we're going to start with, with uh, Acts chapter um, 1, verse 8. After Jesus rose from the dead, after he walked with his disciples for 40 days, just before he ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father, he's talking with his disciples, and they're asking him these questions. And, and in verse 6, they say, uh, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Remember, Israel wasn't in charge of itself. And he said to them, listen, it's not for you to know times or season which the Father has put in his own authority. He answered the question by saying it's not time, but this is what he says. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the celebration of Pentecost today. God, I pray that my words uh, would be encouraging and challenging, God, that they would be your words, that your Holy Spirit would come and encourage us, challenge us, cut us even to the heart, God, to understand the significance 
of this message and this day. Bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Listen, the Holy Spirit had been at work since the beginning of time. In creation, the Holy Spirit was there. When you read in the Bible, the Spirit of God hovered above the surface of water, that is Holy Spirit. When you see the term Spirit of God, that is the Holy Spirit. So it's not like we didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. He's, he was there in creation. He was there throughout the Old Testament. He anointed the judges. He anointed Moses with strength to do what he did. He anointed Joshua. But what would happen in the Old Testament <clears throat> is that the Spirit of God would come down and anoint people for a specific work, and then he would leave. What Jesus was saying is, listen, we've got a lot of work to do. The gospel of me coming to save mankind needs to be preached to all the world. It, it, it needs to be preached. And the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you in power. Then you're to be his witnesses. So he told them to wait. Wait until you're endued with power from on high. Then go into all the world. They sat around for about 10 days waiting, praying for the Holy Spirit and power to come church it's so important for us to know that that if, if the disciples needed to receive power from God and walk in power from God in order to be his witnesses what makes us think that we don't we need Holy Spirit we need Holy Spirit power to live the Christian life in Acts chapter 2 in the ver verse 1 it says this when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of rushing mighty wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then appeared to them divided tongues of fire. One sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I have, I have been mystified and still to this day don't fully understand. And, and I'm just the type of person who's really slow to be dogmatic and say this is absolutely it. Because when we're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit, there's a lot of differences in opinion and understanding of what that looks like and when, it, when and how it happens. As a Pentecostal church, we have grew up with a teaching that you had to, at one point, you had to pray, ask, tarry a long time until God gave you the Holy Spirit. We believe, the, I think the Bible is teaching us here, that there is a second filling of the Holy Spirit, a blessing, if you will, of, of power from on high. Because the Holy Spirit was there the whole time with Jesus. The Bible says that it's the Holy Spirit who convicts us of sin. It's the Holy Spirit that regenerates us as believers. So every believer, okay, I'm going to talk, I'm talking mostly probably to us older Pentecostals who have grown up in a, in a belief. Every believer who's truly saved has the Holy Spirit. It's been taught poorly over the years. It's not taught like that much anymore. But if you grew up, uh, even possibly in this church, but another church that says, unless you have got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you don't have the Holy Spirit, that is unscriptural. The Holy Spirit was there at our conversion. Yet, here in Acts, the Holy Spirit was there with the disciples. But yet here in Acts, Jesus already died. He rose from the dead. And now he's ascended on high. If the Holy Spirit in power comes automatically, then why didn't they receive it the moment that Jesus ascended? Why did they have to wait? 
See, I think there's something that we need to seek. The book of, of Luke, before Jesus ascended, Luke said, and it, we, we've quoted this for different reasons, it said, ask and you'll receive, knock, right? And it said, even you who are wicked, if a son asks for bread, will you give him a stone? No. If he asks for a fish, will you give him a serpent? How much more will the f- Heavenly Father give to those who ask and the Holy who ask for the Holy Spirit. He's talking about asking for the Holy Spirit. It's actually something we say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. The disciples waited to be filled with power of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit comes and everything is changed. Remember Peter. Peter who denied Christ the night of his his uh, crucifixion. Just denied Christ. This was, the, this was the Peter who was unstable his whole life. He gets filled with the Holy Spirit and immediately he stands up and he preaches that Jesus, who was just killed by the Jews, just killed by the Jewish leaders, is actually alive and he's the Christ. Which is, puts him in danger of death himself. What was the difference? He was filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gave him power. Power to preach. Jesus says, wait until you receive the Holy Spirit. Wait until you receive the power from on high. He preaches this message. Listen, the, the whole filling of the Holy Spirit, the, the Pentecost changes everything for all time. Remember, the, the Christianity was really, it didn't exist at all. Religion was the Jewish religion, it, and, and it was very much for men. Men were the ones who learned the law. Peter says, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel in verse 17. It shall come to pass. So what he's saying is Pentecost, what just happened, the Holy Spirit coming, is what Joel talked about. And this is what Joel said. It shall come to pass in the last days that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not just on David and Moses and Joshua and Samson. This is what we saw in the Old Testament. God would pour his spirit out on a prophet on a person for a time but not on everybody this is what's happening today for us I will pour out my spirit on all flesh your sons and your daughters will prophesy your young men shall see visions your old men shall dream dreams on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy we're breaking every barrier The Holy Spirit cuts through every barrier, male and female, old and young. Preach the gospel, because the Holy Spirit's coming, here and throughout the whole world. We're breaking cultural barriers. Christianity, the Holy Spirit, is not for one person. It's for all who call on the name of the Lord. The Holy Spirit power is for all believers, and we're supposed to walk in the power of of the Holy Spirit. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 5. So obviously this is a little bit later. If you read the book of Acts, I've said this before, the book of Acts should not be called the book of the Acts of the Apostles. I think it should be called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because what you see in the book of Acts is the Holy Spirit time and time again revealing himself, bringing miracles, doing things. Ephesians chapter 5, written by Paul to the church in Ephesus, Talked about this last week. Walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. But going on past that just a little bit. 
Don't be unwise, verse 17, but understand what the will of the Lord is. 18. Do not be drunk with wine, in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak to one another psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Then it goes on and talks about marriage. Everything it's talking about is predicated by the fact that we're supposed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. But if, what does that mean? If something is natural and it just automatically happens whether you like it or not, you don't need to even talk about it. It's not like somebody would get up here and say, okay, guys, I want you all, I want all your blood to pump. You don't have to tell your body to pump blood. It's just going to happen. I don't have to tell you to breathe. Nobody has to tell you to breathe unless something really weird happens and, and like you're freaking out and then somebody says, breathe. But, but Paul says here, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That means that there's something that we're supposed to do or understand about being, about being filled with the Holy Spirit. This doesn't just come because you say a prayer and say, God, forgive me of my sin, which is, don't get me wrong, the, the salvation is, is, is incredibly important, but it, it's not just simply, God, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. I want to be a new creature. I want to follow you. Amen. And now everything happens just because of the prayer. The moment you s truly pray that prayer, you're saved. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and yet there's a command to be filled with the Holy Spirit, even after that. And the word, when you, if, if you've ever studied, if you remember some of your English uh, back way back in high school or college, or if you ever studied another language, there's different uh, forms. This form is a, uh, it's a passive form, and it's in the present progressive tense. Okay, some of you, a lot of you are looking at me, what is that? Could maybe have one of our teachers in here to explain it. Present progressive tense. That means it's now, and it keeps on happening. When it says, be filled, it's not a one-time deal. It's not, go get gas, go get filled. It's, be filled. In fact, if you, if you interpret it or translate it the way it's written, this is what it would probably sound like. Be, because it's passive, not active. Okay? It's not get, do filling. It's be filled. But it says, be being filled. Okay, I'm going to say it again. Be being filled. It's the process of it happening all the time, and you're in that state where it's happening all the time. You're always being filled with the Holy Spirit. You've got to think about that for a second. All day, every day, I need to live in a place where I am being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just a one-time thing. We, and then it tells us to do all of these wonderful things. We can't really live for Christ without being filled on a regular basis with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come to give us power to evangelize. The Holy Spirit has come to bring gifts and miracles 
Miracles are still for today. We're going to believe a miracle for Wally. We're believing for miracles in this room. We need some healing miracles. There's miracles. There's prophetic. There's words of wisdom. Discerning of spirits. These are spiritual gifts that are for today. And the Holy Spirit has come to empower us to walk in boldness to witness. Boldness and power and strength to live an overcoming and godly life. Boldness, power, strength, ability for wives to submit to their husbands and for husbands to love their wives, as Ephesians chapter 5 talks about. The ability to be able to continually sing songs of praise comes because we're being filled with Holy Spirit. It's so incredibly important. It, pick, picture with me, if you will, some, some water jugs, right? I could have used my coffee. Imagine my coffee is, is full of, of coffee. Actually, we'll, we'll do something else. If you like coffee, this will be good for you. Imagine that my cup is filled with Coca-Cola. It's all the way up, and I say, okay, now fill my cup with coffee. Well, it's already full of, full of Coke. So how can I fill it up again? It's already full. It's full of something else. If I start filling up with the Holy Spirit, probably some Coke is going to come out. But some coffee is going to go in. It's going to be disgusting. I don't know. I've never tried Coke and coffee. It doesn't, doesn't sound very good. I could fill an empty cup, but I can't fill a full cup. So the first thing about being filled with the Holy Spirit is, is to ask yourself, what am I full of now? Some of you have been Christi- are Christians. You've been Christians for a long time. And I talk about being filled with the Spirit. You're like, you know, I want that. I've, tr- I've tried that. I- I don't, but I don't have any power. I don't have, I've got all these things happen in my life. I can't do this. I can't do this. So you need to ask yourself, what's my life full of? Your life is probably full of some things that need to come out of your cup, if you will, out of your life so the Holy Spirit can begin to fill your life instead of these other things. Imagine now my cup filled with with dirt. And I say, well, fill my cup with some coffee. And then swirl it around a little bit and take a nice big chug. My coffee doesn't taste very good. And I was thinking and praying, and this is, I, I'm going to be like, take a Paul moment here that he's done a couple times. I, I'm like, Lord, is, is, is this a revelation to some degree? You ever see people who, who they're saved, but they have stuff in their life, and you can, you know it. You know them enough to go, yeah, they got some stuff in their life, and I'm not just, we all have stuff, but some stuff that's really needs to go and hasn't gone. But they also love God and Holy Spirit's in their life. But every time they try to minister, it comes out kind of, ugh. It's because I think they're mixing what they have in their life with God. And it's coming out like coffee and dirt. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Empty yourself. Begin to empty yourself of the things of the world. Now here's what's really cool. Imagine stuff in a cup. And you start flooding it with water. In fact, at first it just starts filling up. And there's stuff and water in there. And then you say, Lord, let's turn up the power a little bit on this water. 
and you put a little more pressure on the water and the water starts going in and slowly things start popping out of the cup. You know, if you think of, well, then pretty soon rocks and things start falling out of the cup. Pretty soon the water starts getting clear. And the junk in the cup begins to, to, to leave because the Holy Spirit is coming in. But sometimes we go, I've, I got enough. I got all my stuff. Got my rocks, my dirt, my junk. Got my TV, my porn, my romance novels. Got my booze. But I got Holy Spirit in there too, and, and now I'm full. It's, I, I like it. I can put the cap on it. We're going to be done. All right, I'm good. I got a full cup. Everything I want in life. Got it all right here. That's not what God's wanting us to be. He compares being filled with the Holy Spirit to being drunk. And a lot of preachers use this. This is a great place. You know, this is a spiritual place where we even as a church would say, listen, drinking is, is not a, a, against the Bible. It's not against what God would do, but being drunk always is. Believers should never be drunk. I'm just, just bull. But he compares being filled with the Holy to being, being drunk. I'm like, okay, what's the correlation? Here's the thing. When you're drunk, you're actually under the control of another spirit, aren't you? People make weird decisions when they're drunk. You probably know some people who've actually gotten married because they were drunk. It's happened. We might have one in here. And, and maybe it worked. And praise God for that. People make bad decisions when they're drunk. It's because they're not under control of themselves. They're not under the control of God. They're under the control of a spirit. Isn't that interesting that the liquor store has a sign outside that says wine and... <laughs> I've always thought that was interesting. It's another spirit that you're allowing yourself to be under the control of. And he's like, don't be under control of something else, of some other spirit. Instead, be filled with the spirit, which means you have to submit yourself to the spirit. Part of the issue of mankind, we talk about this in, our, in, the, in the steps class, is that we all want to be in control of ourselves. We all want to be the boss. Interesting enough, we're okay to get drunk when we're no longer in charge of ourselves, but many people don't want to be under the influence and the control of the Spirit of God. We need to be, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I tell you again, and this was just such a great picture. Okay, I've, I come to Christ, and I had stuff in my life that wasn't good. I, I, had, I had all of my sins. When I came to Christ, I still like to, to drink and party. So as a Christian in my early days, I would, I would still party and get drunk sometimes. In fact, I was such a good Christian that I would get drunk and then tell people about Jesus. Man, Jesus loves you. So I had my stuff and God was pouring His Spirit into me. And then would be like the power would be pushed on a little bit and something would kind of float to the top. And I was given the opportunity to say, no, I'm done. I'm, I've got enough. I'll just, I'll keep my stuff. 
I'll keep my stuff in the Holy Spirit. I like my cup. Or say, God, I'm going to take the lid off. Keep pouring your spirit into me until the other things begin to run away. This, this week I was doing some painting ward, and, and I think you, you'll, you'll re- relate with this, obviously. You know, you get that paintbrush. It's got paint when you're done, and it's amazing. You just got a little bit of paint on a paintbrush that you're done, and you're going to clean it. It's one of the things I do is I don't want to just run water on it, so I'll get, I'll get like a, a, a little cup of water, and I'll put that brush in there. I can hardly see any paint on it, and I put it in there, and within a second, I do this. And within a second, that whole water is just the color of the paint. It's just full. I just, ugh. You know, so I'll do that for a long time, and then I'll, I'll dump that water and I'll, tr- I'll get a, a, clean, a clean water again and kind of do that. And, and here's what happens. After, after I've done that for a while, I do it. And, ooh, the water's not, not dirty anymore. There's nothing left. It's clean. As we allow the water of the Holy Spirit, as we allow the filling of the Holy Spirit to come in, saying, I'm going to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, the stuff in our life begins to go away as long as we don't cap it and say, I'm good right where I'm at. And, when, and that's where this is, the, this is the symbiotic relationship we have with God. He does the work, but we have to allow Him to do the work. The, somebody once said that, that the God or the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He doesn't force Himself upon us. If, if you're sitting here this, this morning and you've, you've been a Christian but you're still struggling with things, I think pro- one of the things that probably has happened is that you, that you put the cap on and says, I, you know, I've, I've got enough of God. It feels pretty good. I don't want to get rid of my other stuff. In fact, I'm going to put the lid on it so it can't come out. I don't want it to come out. He's lit it. Say, no, I'm going to let Holy Spirit continue to fill me. Now, go back with me to Acts. I got I got to wrap this up. There's always the question, how the disciples waited, and they prayed, they asked, and they sought. I think it's a good place to start. To to wait on God, to get alone, or get with a group of people whose goal is to say, God, we want to know you more intimately. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You told us we need to be filled. We want to be filled. We want to have power. Not for power's sake, but because you told us to do it. And and they were in prayer when it happened. Be people of prayer. Seeking God. Right after the Holy Spirit came, Paul preaches a message. For all of us charismaniacs who maybe today or in the past used to believe that, I lived in a way that was kind of like, just give me the Holy Spirit and I don't need anything else. I don't even need to read my Bible because I got Holy Spirit inside of me. We, we could go, no, 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 that's, that's not it. Holy Spirit comes. But look, what did the disciples do when, when the Holy Spirit fell in chapter 2, starting in verse 40? After Peter preaches in 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for remission of your sins. You shall receive the gift, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's a gift. It's for all of you. Verse, chapter 40, or verse 40, with many other signs he testified and exhorted them. 42, I'm sorry, 42. They continued steadfastly 
in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. It says, Fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions, divided them among everyone as they had need, continuing daily with agreement, with one accord, in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. This is the recipe of how we're supposed to live. This is what the disciples were doing. And Paul says to be being filled with the Holy Spirit, they were being under the teaching of doctrine. They were, there was teaching going on. Now, in the original, in, the, in this version it says in fellowship. But in, in the original Greek, this was awesome for me today. F fellowship has been watered down so much. And in fact, if you've been in a church long time, that's, that's, some of you maybe don't know the word. We use the fellowship word fellowship to means to get together. But come on, when I was growing up, the, the word fellowship really meant pig out. Because after church, you would go up to somebody else and say, hey, you want to go have some fellowship? <laughs> and you know what that meant? We're going to go to Alpine and eat. We're going to get pie and hot chocolate. You want to go fellowship? And that just meant to eat. And the word fellowship, we even think the fellowship thing, it's, it's just it's a group of people who get along. Listen, the word here is way deeper than just getting together for fun. We've lost a little bit of the word fellowship. In fact, in the original Greek, there is a definite article there in front of fellowship. You know, what's a definite article? Definite article is the word the. An indefinite article is the word a or an. If I say, get a microphone for me, you can come up here and get any microphone you want. But if I say, get the microphone for me, you actually have to stop and say, which one? <laughs> right? Which one? It's a definite. Here it says, they continued steadfastly in doctrine and teaching and the fellowship. Dedicated dedicated, there's another word that's missed out, dedicated to the fellowship. It's not just to getting together and having fun. It's dedicated to the, what is the fellowship? It's the fellowship of Christ. It's not just let's get together and go bowling and call it fellowship. No, it's we are in a fellowship because we believe that Jesus Christ died for our sins, rose from the dead. We're part of something way bigger. Now, I'm not saying we can't go bowling and have fun. Don't, don't hear that. The fellowship is something deeper than that though. We're dedicated to the fellowship that comes when we're all together in agreement about who Jesus is and what he's done, and we're working together. They were breaking bread. They were in prayers. You, how do you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Continue in teaching and doctrine. Continue dedicating yourself to the fellowship of Christianity, of, of Christ, of the church. Break bread together in communion and having meals. Be people of prayer. Be people of prayer. Going down to verse 45, they were even selling their possessions and goods and dividing them among them all. Listen, not everyone sold everything they had right at the beginning. What they're saying is that some people, they saw some needs, so some people sold stuff. 
Later on, other people sold stuff or took what they had and gave it. In other words, they began to think outside of themselves. Started hearing from God saying, I'm going to be part of this thing and I'm going to be one who helps and serves and gives. That's actually part of the way we're being filled with the Holy Spirit. They, and then in verse 46 it says, they continue daily, not weekly. If this is your only form of your Christianity, it's not going to be enough. You're going to have a cup with a whole bunch of mud in it. Daily, we do things daily. Listen, <clears throat> continuing daily in agreement, in one accord, they went to the temple and they broke bread from house to house. In fellow, they were in fellowship with one another, getting together with other believers. That's so important of who you're hanging out with and who you're spending time with. When I was young, I had a friend who impacted my life. He was in my wedding. Um, he was four years ahead of me in college. And uh, he, was, he was a really intelligent guy. He loved to debate. And I, I mean, he, he was a great influence in my life. I started, I started doing my hair like him. I mean, he was cool. He, he, not only, I mean, he was smart, but he also was athletic, and he rode motorcycles. And I started without even thinking about it. I found myself, he had this little thing he'd do. He would debate people and talk, and he did this little thing to accentuate, like, points, and he'd go like this. I found myself one day talking to people, making my points just like this. <laughs> you ever done that in your life, hung out with somebody, and you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm using that phrase that they use. Sometimes you're using a phrase you shouldn't be using, Right? just starts happening. Who are you in daily fellowship with? We should be in fellowship with saints so that when you're with people that aren't, you have something good to pour out to them and not just mud, coffee and coke. We want to pour something. They'll go, this is really good. They ate their food with gladness. They were thankful. They met house to house life groups and not even just in life groups i mean they're showing up they're meeting in the morning going day before we go to work let's pray let's have some fellowship not just you know talk but let's fellowship in jesus they praised god and then god gave them favor with people and the lord added to the church daily those who were being saved that's what i want to see that's what the god wants to see in us filled with the holy spirit being filled with the holy spirit submitting to him Getting, looking, letting God say, I'm pouring in my spirit and, and here's what's floating to the top next. I want you to get rid of it. And he'll tell you what it is. He, he's not going to force all of it on you, but I think he's going to start pouring his spirit as you will take off the lid, start making room for him. He's going to pour his spirit into you and he's going to actually bring something to the surface. And he's going to say, guess what? It's time to get rid of this. Okay, you pull that out and you go, wow, there's a lot more room. You ever pull a rock out of a, a jar of water or something? You're like, oh my gosh, there's a whole bunch of more room. When I go to a fast food restaurant and I'm driving a long distance, I say, give me a Sprite or a tea with light ice. Because I want more drink than ice. And I hate to get a cup full of ice and like this much. I mean, you take two sips and the, and the, the, the liquid's gone. I want to get rid of the ice so I've got more liquid. I want to get rid of the junk so I have more Jesus. And something's going to float to the top and we're going to say, okay, I see it. I'm going I'm, I'm to I'm get rid of it now. Here goes my romance novels. 
I'm picking on those. Romance novels are, novels are porn for women. Porn's bad for men. Romance novels can be just like that to women. Begin to cause them to fantasize about what they should have and could have in their marriage. I started hearing all these Christian women comparing their husbands to the Jeanette Oakey husbands in all those books. Uh, Jeanette Oak, is that right? I don't know. It was one of those Christian authors. Oh, these godly men. And I saw Christian women begin to say, oh, my husband's nothing like that. No, no, no. If that's pulling you away from Jesus, making you look for other things, or pull it out. More Holy Spirit, because I'm going to be being filled every day. Every day. Every once in a while in my life still, I found out there was something stuck at the bottom of my cup. I didn't even know it was there. And it pops loose and floats to the top. And God says, okay, it's time to get rid of this. I'm like, wow. And I've got a choice to make. Will I, am I ready? Okay, Lord, I'm going to get rid of it. Keep pouring your spirit on me. Let that thing flow away. I don't want to put a cup on my, on my life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this morning, we, we, we know that the word says that in Luke that we're supposed to ask for Holy Spirit, God. This morning, we say, fill us with the Holy Spirit. God, we want to have power to be a witness. We want to have power in our life to, to fulfill the message from last week, to be able to talk to people about our faith, to be able to talk to people about what you're doing. We need a Holy Spirit to fill us. We need a Holy Spirit to fill us so that we have uh, that, that power to say no to ungodliness, to, to love our wives, to love our husbands, to walk in a way that's pleasing to you. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, Help, help us to identify the things in our life that are in our cup, in our life, that you need to remove so that you can pour more of yourself in here so we're not in conflict, God, so we're not mudding the water, so we're not blocking you from filling us more. I thank you that you have grace and mercy with us and that you'll do it in your timing. But Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice. Pray that you would help us to be dedicated as the early church was to to the, the apostles' doctrine, to teaching, to the fellowship of, of Christ, to being part of gr a group of believers that we challenge each other. God, that you would challenge us to live outside and think outside of ourselves and not be lost in selfishness, but, but even willing at times to sell or to give something away, even that it has value to us to, to bless the kingdom of God, whether it's admissions or a friend or somebody in need. God, help us to, to say no and say, you know what, I won't go out to, to, to eat for a while and I'm, I want to I serve with my finances or, or with my time. God, give us the, the powers as we would continue. God, to praise you and raise a hallelujah in the middle of a storm and say, I, I seek you. God, fill us with your spirit. Help us to do these things in our life that we might continually be being filled. And so that others, so that others could be added to the fellowship, to be saved and added to the kingdom of God that our lives would make a difference in the end. That's our prayer. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. Praise the Lord.
I think we're doing an opportunity drawing. Just a couple minutes. We do. Okay.